Fun fact, if you go to bed just one hour earlier, you can add up to 60 minutes of trying to fall asleep unsuccessfully to your day. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Sometimes I find the simplest things in life to be so freaking hilarious. If you just go to bed one hour earlier, you can add up to 60 minutes of laying in bed staring at the ceiling. Fun fact. TikTok, the social media that keeps on giving. Welcome into the show, the somewhat for-profit venture or the supposedly for-profit venture known as a Stone On Air podcast. Hashtag my month. Hashtag best month ever. Boy, it's living up to it, too. April has been fantastic. Just a little bit over, well, basically three quarters of the way through. Time flies, and it ain't got a damn thing to do with whether you're having any fun or not, but when you're having fun, it moves that much more quickly. So much so that I'm going to do an entire segment discussing almost a play-by-play of my 10 to 11 days off in a row, which I almost never, ever get. Even when I take a vacation, I'm not saying feel sorry for me. It's the way I design my life. Uh, Even when I take a vacation... I generally still have a lot of obligations work-wise that fit into that 7 to 13 or whatever it is days, 11 days off. And this time I made sure to not have any of that. And it paid off. It was fantastic. Now, it was still hectic and still lots lots to do. I had a lot of appointments, a lot of things to do. Again, I'll go all into this in the second segment. I'm not exactly sure why you'd want to be here to listen to that, but I certainly do appreciate the fact that you are. Uh, In the final segment of the show, I don't even know where I'm going to go with this exactly. I might go heavy here in the open and shorter on the end is my initial thought. I found this um, uh, TikTok account, and they do YouTube shows daily, and it's it's news-oriented, talking head commentary, so I'm really still, I'm not very into it because I don't care what the subject matter is. I'm generally not into it. But when you throw out a 60-second thing every now and again on a, on a social media, I'll, I'll, I'll bat an eye at it. I'll kind of, you know, in passing, if nothing else, listen to it. And I loved this um, piece that was suggested or discussed on this, and you'll hear it when, the, when I open the, the segment, called Why the Past 10 Years of American Life Have Been Uniquely Stupid. And it's a pretty simplistic headline, clearly, but it is a massive, comprehensive dive into the social media effects on America of the last 10 years. And while it's much of it's like, well, yeah, no spit, dude, I already knew that. A lot of it's not. And I won't bore you here on the upfront, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about it as I get into it in the final segment of the show. It was fascinating reading. And... Um, I'm going to read a little bit of it. I'm going to just kind of discuss it. I don't know how long it's going to take. It might only be five minutes. It could be 15 minutes. It might be 20 minutes. I don't know. We'll find out as things go along. And then I got three pieces of audio for you. And that's evolved in the last half hour based on part of the interruption. I'll get to the final, uh, the tail end of this segment. 
uh, worst idea, the realest thing, and the coolest thing that is actually going to involve a little small story from 2007 that popped into my head today based on something I saw on television. So that'll be coming up in, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 minutes from right now. So we'll jump off the page here with just things that are written on the opening show sheet, uh, show sheet page. I've got uh, still other things I even talk about how great the month is. So I've got Record Store Day coming up. Earth Day is always fun. 423 Day. I know we're kind of, that's a little contrived and fa uh, fabricated as a fun day, but it is a Saturday. So hell yeah. Uh, Wanderlinger and Crawfish this weekend. They're doing a boil for a couple of days. It is, uh, as I record this, 420 day. It's fun to see so many people just so easily and acceptably um, advocating for legalization. Uh, you know, never in a million years growing up, but I've even as a mid 20 something, what I thought, what I think that it was going to be just totally chill and totally cool to be on social media or out in public or anywhere advocating for the legalization of marijuana and get to the point where almost everybody's like, yeah, uh, of course, why aren't we doing this? Every single person, except for maybe there's a grandma or two left. And nobody other than the kids and the grandchildren of that grandma care what grandma thinks. It's so great. It's so fun to see. Hopefully, we're on our way to that as a federal law. Uh, it might be closer than we think. But then again, when it comes to Congress, the Senate, the presidency passing legislation, uh, who knows? And you ain't seen nothing yet as the midterms are almost here. And the the... The insanity of, of this insanely terrible television program, the entertainment industrial complex that has dominated uh, us for the last five to seven years, mostly upwards of 10 years is kind of where the third segment's going to come from. You ain't seen nothing yet, so who knows what's going to happen, but I love seeing it. Love, love, love seeing it. Uh, the CDC, all of a sudden, um, because of the ruling by the, by the judge in Florida, has dropped the mandates. Um, basically across the board. And I say, about damn time. I still kind of want to take a victory lap on this one. I've been not yelling and screaming and, you know, getting mad at people and, and picking fights, but I've been saying for a long, long, long time, we're dealing with the flu here, guys. We're dealing with the flu. It's a little different flu, but it's still the flu. And it's nice to see this finally getting some... Um, some sanity back in, uh, in in our traveling. And I and if you want me to wear a mask, fine. I'll wear a damn mask, okay? I've never argued with anybody, and I never will. But Chattanooga Airport drops it. Carta has dropped it. And it, according to this quick thing I found, I think it was on um, uh, Chattanooga, I'm not sure, but the, uh, the judge in Florida that uh, made this decision is a Covenant College graduate. I don't know how that matter if that means anything i also don't understand how these district courts work and how that one judge in florida can all of a sudden change the entire country's uh, uh policy i'm just that's my ignorance um judge uh, mazel is that how did you say her last name ruled that federal officials had ex uh, exceeded their authority in the mask mandate and not gained public comment and did not adequately explain their decisions Catherine Mazel, age 33, was the youngest person chosen by President Donald Trump for a lifetime judicial appointment. Again, my ignorance, I must plead to say, how does she get to decide this? How does that work? But, hey, I'm happy about it. So the other day I was talking about how excited I was. I finally got Sirius XM, and it didn't take but a couple of weeks for me to realize 
This is just as garbage as any other radio stations that have ever been created, and especially in you know in the 21st century. Uh, I God, radio sucks. Radio sucks so bad. And I do want to apologize to anybody who has listened to me off and on over the years, and and listened to me defend it so. Um, just, just, I mean, fighting with every last breath I have to defend this terrible, terrible medium. It sucks so bad, and I'm sorry that I defended it for so long. This Sirius XM Lithium Deep Cuts channel that I love so much when I first turned it on, just like every other dumb effing radio station, it's the same stupid songs over and over and over again. The three Smashing Pumpkins, the three Stone Temple Pilots, the two Helmet songs, the, the three Pixie songs. I'm just picking out names of bands out of thin air. They're the same quote-unquote deep cuts they're playing over and over again. What are you doing? Do you not understand that Spotify will, will create your own playlist and create your own radio station with no repeats? How stupid was I to give this nonsense a try? Can't cancel it quick enough. My God, radio is awful. And it pains me to say it. There are still some talk formats that that have some quality out there. But, man, you got to dig far and wide to find it. And if you're listening to music on the radio, whether it's satellite or terrestrial, you ain't got nothing going on between your ears. You got rocks tumbling around in your brain. There are so many ways to curate amazing playlists that are exactly to your taste. And SiriusXMs can't even get it right. They can't put in an algorithm that says, oh, hey, this guy who listens to the station every day doesn't want to hear detachable penis from uh, King, uh, whatever the hell they're, King Missile, three or four times a week. I wanted to hear it once to remind me that there was a song called Detachable Penis from the 1990s. I don't want to hear it every other day. My God, what's the matter with these stupid asshole programmers? Absolutely unbelievable. And seriously, too, also, this comes from a subscription-based kind of thing when I started to look around at other things. It's, you know, similar but not exactly. Why can't? Why do I have to subscribe to all these things, too, by the way? Why can't I just decide today I want to read this article or I want to hear this channel on this radio station? Why can't I just give you a buck to listen to it for like an hour? Or, you know, or, or, or if I want to read uh, a Times Free Press article, why can't I just give you a buck to read this one and not give you $36 a month? I don't want your whatever your subscription service is for 30 whatever or 20 or 10 or $5 a month. I want to read this right here. And that's when this article that I got that, uh, from the, uh, the Atlantic, when I saw it, I was afraid, oh, God, here we go. I'm going to have to subscribe to read this. Luckily, they had a couple of trial. You can read one or two before they charge you. Why do I have to subscribe? Sell me the damn article. If it's that good, I'll buy it. And I would have given them a dollar for this. I don't understand why, why we can't a la carte that. I guess eventually we probably will. Um, I early voted for the first time the other day. And I will tell you in the second segment who I voted for and an overall thought on that entire process. A couple of things here is I'll, um, again, I want to I want to go a little long with the uh, with the audio uh, let me see. What else am I forgetting? No, nothing. It doesn't look like. All right. So I went to the Braves game last Monday for the uh, ring night, the um, the replica world championship ring night. Very happy I went. It was a madhouse. It wasn't even actually that much fun, but I was happy to go day after my birthday. Met my stepbrother down. Fun, fun, fun time. Well, where I normally park, I've got kind of, it's not a hidden secret spot, but it's where I go. It's very easy in and out. Works for me very well. 
And last year in August, when I, or no, September, when I went to watch the uh, regular season championship uh, be won at, at Truist Park, very, very nice time, it cost $25 to park there. 25 bucks. And last Monday, it was $40. And so I took a picture of it and snapped it and sent it to whoever, and it was like, 40 bucks, 25 last year. Now, there's a lot of reasons why that can happen. I get a few responses of, you know, just typical Biden inflation, hashtag inflation, hashtag thanks, Joe, all this stupid nonsense. And that's fine. I mean, I don't care at all. Have, have your fun. There is not a goddamn thing involved with inflation with $40 parking at the Braves game. There, the, the, too much of this is now being thrown around. I, I know I've done this a little bit before and where I get a little, you know, I believe there's a very gray area and I'm not going to do this for longer than about another 60 seconds at the most. $40 parking at the Braves game ain't got a damn thing to do with inflation, supply chains, energy, uh, wars and invasions on the other side of the world, uh, 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 crude oil, natural gas, nothing, none of it. $40, ga- $40 parking as opposed to 25 at the end of last year, is just corporate greed. That's just, we're going to jack up the price because we can. And there's so much of that everywhere, and it's being disguised as inflation. Enough of this, oh, inflation's getting, no, no, everybody's, oh, hey, look, they raise their prices because of X, Y, and Z, and so I'm going to raise my prices too, and oh, hey, what can you do? Shrug my shoulders, bro. (laughs) Hey, it's inflation. What can you do? No, it's not inflation. It's absolute pure corporate greed, and they got it from me, and they'll get it from you, and they'll get it from somebody else because we're willing to pay it, and it's as simple as that. Oh, inflation. No, inflation's real, and it's a big problem, and it's devaluing money, and a very big problem. That ain't one of the examples of inflation. And then I was on a a long thread on uh, some Bonnaroo Facebook thread that was talking about ticket sales. And I don't discuss anything on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, with anybody, unless it's some kind of dedicated thread, and it's civil. And this was very civil. And I was looking through it a lot and having a lot of back and forth with people I don't know. And it does look like ticket sales are pretty bad, or at least not not where they want them to be. And the more I look at it and the more I see the landscape of the festivals in this country this year, really in the entire world, Bonnaroo sucks. Oh, my God. It's it's worse than I thought. Now, for me, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have a fun time. Bonnaroo is an experience more than it is a who's the headliner. I love the place. It's magical. But they're not selling to me. I don't purchase tickets, generally speaking. They got to get people to travel from quite literally around the world to go to this festival, certainly all over the country. And having now two years of cancel uh, cancellations and then the way it was canceled last year, last minute. I mean, this is de- possibly detrimental to the festival. I sure hope not. But, man, the lineup sucks. And uh, I hate that. I hate that a lot, but I, I can't wait for it. Uh, almost exactly two months away from right now. Of course, my week off last week was Holy Week. I didn't, I didn't plan it to be around Holy Week and Spring Break. It just happened to fall there, so it was a very busy week for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Looked like everybody enjoyed their Easter gatherings and lead up to it. And I've never celebrated Easter in my life, even growing up in a religious family. Easter never really seemed to be something we spent much time um, celebrating. I can't tell you why, 
Maybe when we were kids, I'm forgetting about some Easter egg hunts and some pastels on a Sunday. I don't know. But as a very, very young adolescent and teenager and into my 20s, there wasn't ever a day that I had to drop anything for Holy Week or Easter. And boy, am I thankful for that because that's a lot of damn work. And uh, I'm happy I don't have to have anything to do with it. I'll say that to say this, and I will not have too much more commentary on it. This is today's worst idea. This is Pastor uh, Greg Locke. He's located here in Tennessee. He's an absolute um, blowhard, uh, one of the worst guys ever. He's a reason that religion is is difficult for many young people and middle age at this point now. Uh, young Gen Xers to get involved in is because of blowhards like this. Uh, we'll call it today's worst idea. Fact. There's no such thing as a true atheist. You really do believe in God. You're just too stubborn and rebellious to admit it. You can get in my comment section, you can cuss, and you can fuss, but it doesn't change the fact that the law of God is written on your heart from the moment you were born. Is that right? You realize that morality and conscience is not a product of evolution. It's a product of God's stamp being upon you because you were made in God's image for God's glory. That's why the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You have to deny what you know in your heart to be true in order to say that there is no God. So God doesn't believe in atheists. I don't believe in true atheists because at the end of the day, you know right from wrong because God put that in your heart. So guess what? Get mad all you jolly well please. But you do believe in a God. You just deny him because you don't want to be accountable to him. But you will be one day. You're not born a Christian. You become a Christian. And that is one of the more easily consumable, tame things that this psychopath does. If you know, you already know. If not, give it a look. And I would bet even if you are a religious person, you'll look at this guy and say, this is not good for uh, for Christianity all the way around as a whole, and I'll leave it as that. This is um, the realest thing. Also, I originally called it the used to be me, but still sometimes is me thing. It's a little kind of spoof commercial about day drinking. Is it above 60 degrees? Yeah. And you have no self-control? Oh, yeah. Introducing day drinking. Whoa, what's that? Your life is a mess, but drinking in the sunlight is one of the few good things you have left. So enjoy it. How does it work? It's easy. First, see what time it is. It's 11.15. That'll work. Put off all your responsibilities and go drink outside. You know what, now that you mention it, it's probably not a good idea. I do have a lot of stuff I need to do. Not anymore, you don't. It's 70 and sunny. <laughs> no, I should really just stay here. And Shut get... up, go. You'll be fine, I no, promise. I just, I just. I go sh- out the door. I really... I was going to spend my day doing important chores, but then I saw it was nice out, so I went to a friend's roof and had, like, 11 White Claws. And now I'm behind on everything. Thanks, day drinking. Try it today. (laughs) 11 White Claws. I don't do it that often anymore because it is brutal, brutal to recover from. Sometimes takewards upwards of a day or two, but day drinking, especially on a Sunday, sure is fun. And this is something I just stumbled on earlier. Um, Julio Franco... Baseball player, I won't explain very long why or who he is. He played till he was 48 years old and played for the Braves at the end of his season. And I'll tell a quick story about um, uh, a time I went to see him around this time 16 years ago. This is from PTI. I call it today's coolest thing, if I can find it. Where is it? There it is. Happy anniversary, Julio Franco. On this day 16 years ago at age 47, Franco became the oldest major leaguer to ever hit a home run. Franco hit one more for the Mets that year and one more again the next year at age 48. 
Franco played 23 years in the bigs. He's the first known major leaguer to hit a home run with his grandson in attendance. In 2015, at age 57, Franco was a player manager in a Japanese pro league. Franco was also the last major leaguer to bat against a pitcher that Ted Williams also batted against. That pitcher is Jim Cott, who as a rookie in 1959 faced Williams in the last game of the season, and then in 1982 faced a rookie Julio Franco. Cott, by the way, is 83 years old and still broadcasting baseball games. You know how they get somebody, you say, she's the last surviving widow of a Civil War yeah. soldier, and you're trying to figure out how you connect those dots? Connecting to Ted Williams! I mean, but you know, that, I gotta sit here and try to figure that out, but it's worth it. That is uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, that means Jim Cott pitched for 23 years and pitched to Ted Williams in 1959 and to Julio Franco in 1982. And in 2007, he uh, Julio played for the Braves for about four years in his 40s. Then was uh, then he left as a free agent, went to the Mets, and then in 2007 the Mets uh, cut him in like August, mid-August or something. And the Braves picked him back up, and it wasn't a good season. We weren't going to go to the playoffs. But we didn't have room for him on the roster. Had to wait until September when rosters expanded. And so he said, that's fine. I'll go play in single A. At 48 years old, he's playing at single A Rome, Georgia. And I'm just like, we got to go. We got to go watch Julio Franco play first base in single A baseball at 48 years, years old. Are you kidding me? And I'll play you this real quick before I finish the very quick story. This is from Night at the Roxbury. It, that dumb movie in the late nineteen, uh, in, the, in the late ni- nineteen ninety eight, and uh, this will make a little bit more sense in a second. Give me thirty seconds. So, anyways, I'm standing there waiting to use the payphone. Yeah, he was seriously. And this guy who's on the phone turns around and tips his hat like this. And who do you think that guy was? Emilio Estevez, the mighty Duckman. I swear to God, I was there. Of course you were. You were the one who yelled the Breakfast Club's name. I was like, Emilio! (laughs) 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 So, anyways, you guys want to make out or what? I was like, Emilio! (laughs) Emilio! (laughs) (laughs) Emilio! All right, so... Uh, I don't remember why that stuck out with me at that time, but me and three other guys just insanely, drunkenly, stupidly drove to Rome, had a big tailgate, went to the game, got seats very close to behind the the dugout on the first base side, and there was just something so bleep and funny about, it's the breakfast clubber, Julio! Julio! And we did this for a, a, an inning, and he tipped his cap and waved, and we're just like, oh, Julio! And I kept doing it over and over. Hey, it's the breakfast clubber! It's Julio! I bet we were the worst people on the planet that night. I can't remember if we got kicked out. I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did get kicked out. We were belligerently drunk. I go to a lookouts game, and I see, you know, some Yahoo, hey, hey, you know, trying to be funny. I'm like, would you just shut up, you stupid idiot? I mean, every time I hear some drunken numbnut, you know, child, what I, you know, not child, but, you know, young person, 20-something, 22, 23, 24, I'm like, really? You think you're funny? You think you just kind of stumbled on a unique situation here? Oh, I'm going to make fun of the picture. Seriously, dude, get the hell out of here. And I was that belligerent, just drunk off my gone ass. I don't even remember if we got kicked out, but if we didn't, we sure as hell should have. 
Julio! <laughs> over and over and over. And uh, there you go. That's the end of that. All right. Long on the open here, as I suspected. Um, what did I do the last 10 days? And what did it look like and sound like and feel like? I will tell you all about it coming up next. Now back to more. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stone on air. Are you, are you kidding me with this? Do you know what he did for you? Seven million dollars of your money. He hauled it across a damn desert without one penny missing. And he got you out of jail for a murder that, let's face it, you're definitely guilty of. What kind of operation are you running anyway? Tell me, because I think I know why you sent him to do this job. It's obvious. You have no one else you can trust. If you don't trust your men with your money, you have bigger problems than if you trust Saul Goodman. And for the record, he doesn't lie. Not to me, not to his clients. He's telling you the truth. But next time you have a bunch of money and no one you can trust, leave him out of it, okay? Try a, a, a wire transfer, try a, a shell company, or, or you've heard of the Cayman Islands, right? Jesus, get your together and stop torturing the one man who went through hell to save your ass. He came out the gate like a bat out of hell. That's from Better Call Saul's season five finale. I'll tell you more about that in just a few minutes. This is local guy Lou Card, part of the Big Ass Happy Family Band with Roger Allen Wade and all those guys, country outlaw types. I don't know how new it is, and I don't even know what... I think it's called John Prine, just the name of the song is John Prine. It's about him anyway. Lou sounds... Very similar to John. And I just saw it on his uh, Facebook page the other day, and I just thought, hmm, give that a listen, play it on the show. I was embarrassingly late to John Prine. I'll get to more of that in the second, or the third segment of the show. But Lou's one of my favorites that I don't hardly know well at all. Uh, he's great at what he does. He's a quality dude. And younger, early 20s, you know, and when you're in the scene and you're running around town trying to be cool, arrogance... Um, you know, I, I haven't met that guy. I don't know the guy. I'll pretend like I don't know him. Like, I'm not going to go run, you know, oh, who are you? Oh, who are you again? And, you know, it's, I, I don't use the word adulting because I think that's such a stupid millennial term. I mean, I've been adulting for 22 years. But I, I don't know. It was like five or six years ago, maybe a little less than that, that I, I ran into Lou at, um, I don't even remember where it was, some kind of Soundcore event or something. And I had still never been introduced to him, but I knew who he was. I knew the Card family. Uh, many of you are going to know. They're a very wealthy family. I also worked for the Carter Distributing family, and all the rich families hang out together. So I was around a lot of these people, but they didn't know who the hell I was. I was just some dude. And walked up to him, and, and I just said, Hey, Lou, how's it going? He's like, Hey, Brian, good to see you. And it just, it always stuck out with me. Man, it's so cool to not have to be big time in everybody. I respect him. I know what he does. He respects me. He knows what I do. I know that seems simple and like weird to even stick out, but it it has uh, ever since that time. And I, I, I love um, love seeing him and love listening to him play and love the whole Roger Allen Wade uh, crew. But, um, so yeah, the, the last... Well, now it's going to be, you know, almost it's two weeks or so since the last time I did a show. Looks like Thursdays are going to be the day going forward. Uh, fun, fun time off, but also busy. I, I, I stayed very, very busy, but I didn't have any work-related things finally for once. And it made for a, um, 
a week that lasted, it felt like a month. It's so great. I, I when, when you take a week and you just completely change, or any length of time, not just a week, a week, but more than a day or two. When you take 7, 8, 10, 14 days and you change every day of the week has a different routine than what you're used to. Like if you leave one thing in there, you do exactly the same Monday through Friday. It's going to make that week feel like pretty much like your regular Monday through Fridays and your days are going to fly by. Like so if I went into work in the morning with the uh, the morning show and they got done at 12 and then tried to start my day. That's just going to feel like another day of work. It's just a diff- it's just a different layered version of work. But when I can sleep in as long as I want or get up as early as I'd like or stay up as late as I'd like and do whatever I want at whatever time, it totally transforms the perception of time, which is something in my old age that absolutely drives me mad. And to be able to have a week that's completely discombobulated from what I'm used to, it felt like a month. It was fantastic. Now, during all this, I was hitting up uh, dentist appointments and doctor's appointments and, and you know, blood work and, and uh, you know, a bunch of different things. It sucked. Totally sucked. But because it was nowhere near anything I'm used to doing, it just, it lasted so long. I had a great time. Um, but I disconnected completely, almost completely off the grid of social media. I saw Elon Musk constantly trending for days, constantly trending for days. And, and involved with Twitter or whatever. I still don't understand what that's all about, nor do I care. I'm also having trouble giving any major attention or concern to something that involves a social media platform that barely 22% of Americans use at all. Barely a, at all. And um, I, don't, I didn't care over the week, and I don't care now. Uh, started off the weekend uh, on the ninth at a wedding, and a lot of people saying, "Who the hell you know that's getting married at this age, at your age?" Um, well, in this case, it's people who actually should be getting married. You know how many marriages I went to, weddings I went to, from ages twenty-one to thirty-one that are still together. Not that many. Most of them are probably already divorced by now and had no business getting into the business of marriage or family creation. This is actually people who should be getting married. They're younger than me, but still a little later in life. It was a fantastic time at the Hunter. I actually have another one coming up uh, in a little less than two weeks from the same friend group. From this friend group, I'm at the I'm at the wedding. Her uh People I don't know that well, but they're, they're you know somewhat acquaintances. Uh, dude's girlfriend, I noticed that she had a birthday the week before. And so I was like, hey, I know you had a birthday the other day, and I have one tomorrow. And Aries, yeah, go team Aries. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking for a reason to make conversation in an awkward, small talk environment, such as like the, you know, the beginning of a wedding before, you know, the little cocktail mixer hour before you sit down for dinner and all that. Very, very, very pretty girl. And she does the old, uh, or no, I started it. That's right. I started it. She was like, how old are you? And I said, guess. And she flattered me with a 35, I think is what she threw out there. Maybe it was a 36. I don't remember. And I was like, don't you patronize me. (laughs) You know good and damn well I'm older than that. Have a little bit of a joke. And I'm like, no, I'm 42. But I, I and, and I forget that I'm a lot older than some of these people. Upwards of man, five to ten years. I don't know if that counts as older. I mean, a lot older. 
But um, so she was like, okay, well, all right. Well, how old do you think I am? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the, this is a social norm, you know, kind of construct. I don't really put a lot of thought into it. I think it's dumb. Oh, I don't want people to think I'm old. That kind of TV, movie, show kind of thing. And I was like, ugh. And she's like, well, I'll give you a hint. It's a milestone birthday. And I'm thinking, all right, well, there's no way you're 40. No chance you're 40. But I didn't think I was hanging around with anybody as young as 29 or 30. I was like, eh, 35? She's like, nope, 30. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't, I will never put myself in uh, in in that position. I, I always forget I'm the oldest, quote, unquote, young person in the room. I'm always the oldest guy because I've hung out with people that were younger than me for the longest time. Uh, but it was a great time, and we laughed it off. No big deal. Master Saturday and Sunday was just wall-to-wall drinking. It was um, a lot of fun, except for sometimes I get a little upset with myself for not knowing when to take my foot off the gas, but when it, when it is such a gorgeous weekend, and, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't care about golf. I don't care anything about golf, except for that tournament. I love that day, as do most anybody who likes golf even a little bit. Not really anything too exciting to to report from that weekend, but it was nice. Then went to the Braves uh, ring night, the replica ring night, which I already mentioned. But it was wild. So it was forty thousand that they were of these that were given away. They're rock solid. I mean, they're they're metal. They're really nice. I'm really happy to have it. And um and people were trying to steal them. If I mean, if you didn't keep that thing in your hand all night, it was going to go missing. Um, I, I thought, I think mine almost did get stolen. It was sitting on the table. We had a high top out in the outfield and I was just kind of with my arm on the, on the table and the, and a drink in my hand. And it was sitting on the table next to me. And I turned my head and this woman, young lady is kind of like going towards it and then looks up and just stops like, Oh, Hey, is that yours? I was like, I grabbed it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, this is mine. If my head was turned and I was in a conversation, I guarantee you she was going about to grab that and walk away. Uh, there was people trying to steal extra ones at the gate because they were stacked up because there was 40,000 of them. And everywhere you went, especially afterwards, it was like the biggest commodity in the building. Uh, who, who's selling your rings? It's almost like the guy on the street selling tickets. Who's got rings? Who's got rings? 50 bucks for your rings. I got you 50 bucks right here. All over the streets. I guess there were people who were already putting them on eBay thinking they were going to make a, a lot out of it. I don't know. 40,000 isn't many, except for when you consider they're going to do two more of these this year later on in the season. So that's going to be, what's the math on that? 40, 80, and 120. That'll kill the the value eventually. Um, Tuesday night, went to the Lookouts game, opening night. One of those, boy, this seems like a good idea until you get there. Uh, I love Rich Rich Mazingo. The uh, he's now a, a managing partner, owner, part owner, and he's been operations for years. He treats me very, very well. I like him a lot. I don't want to be a lookouts hater, but it was a mess, a mess that night, and it wasn't even sold out. It was not even close to a hard sellout. It wasn't a soft sellout. It was just a, a nice crowd, pretty good crowd. And when you're in the line for um, for whatever underneath beer food or whatever they have this policy i don't know if it was just for beer i'm guessing it was but when you order a beer the person behind you cannot place an order 
until somebody has poured that beer and handed it to me or to the person who purchased it. Generally speaking, the people who are taking the orders are not pouring the beers. Most of them look to be under, at least probably under 21, but quite young. I don't know where the law is on the whether they can or can't pour the beer, but they weren't the ones pouring it. So you would take the order, then you would wait and just like twiddle your thumbs and wait until the beer was poured and brought to you before the person could place an order for anything. It's what it appeared, at least in the line I was in. Didn't make any sense. Trying to be totally cool about it. Wasn't a jerk. Just thought, that's not right. I don't know if that's... That's not a legality that they have to follow. There's some kind of uh, mix-up in the overall managerial uh, pyramid of who's supposed to be doing what and how we're supposed to handle things. That's not right, and that made for ridiculously dumb lines and while it was ended up being an okay night at the ballpark it was uh, it was definitely frustrating tuesday i literally slept all day long every single minute of the day went to the dentist on wednesday i've done this in the past i won't spend a lot of time on it i have the same dental hygienist every time i don't know her name i hate her guts she's a, she's nice but i mean just we're together, we got to talk about the weather every single time there's a big ass window huge window that you can see clearly whether it's sunny or raining and, well, is it rain out there yet or what's it going? We're both staring out a window, you dumb bee. Come on, stop. And then, you know, talking while your mouth's open and scraping your, oh, God, just quit it. Um, that was typical as always. Thursday, I went and got my yearly physical, which I've done really well doing. All the same things, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, overall, most levels are pretty good. I'm not dying, but certainly I need to take care, better care of myself. And then I left and went to the terminal for, as I quoted it, the last supper as they shut the doors last week. I had mixed reviews on the posts I sent out about that place sucks or that place is great. I have always loved the terminal. It's the first cool place downtown on that side of town, what, uh, 13 years ago or so. I love the food. I've never cared for the beer, and I certainly don't drink that uh, junk now. So I, that's what I think about the beer. It doesn't matter. Uh, hate to see it go. It appears it's going to be Tailgate Brewing from Nashville that's going to come in. A generic-ass brand of stupid beer. It's going to suck. It's going to be boring. It's going to be uh, just nothing unique or no good character. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong because that building will help because it's a cool building, but I'll always remember it as the terminal being run out of town, and I'll never likely support it. Uh, but I also don't go downtown hardly uh, ever. Friday night, I worked around the house and skipped the Nick Lutzko surprise show at Wanderlinger. I hated to do that, but that was going to be a night of equal parts people I love and people I hate, and I could not take the blending of the two. Um long story as to what that means, but I think you can identify with that. Too many bad situations to run into that would not be outweighed by the good ones. So I dropped out of that. Saturday went in top golf, voted, and went to the Road to Nightfall. Road to Nightfall is a another you know once upon a time pretty good idea that I think probably has run its course. Friends of my band were playing I didn't see any reason why this needs to be a regular thing. I don't think there's enough bands in this city to pull one of these things off. I'm not being a hater. I love everybody involved. I just, I don't know, but I did go that night fun enough. Voted for the first time in um, 
in early voting. I'll, I'll come back to that here as I'm about to wrap this segment up. And on Sunday, final day before I go back, I got overall for the course of the day six pounds of crawfish and watched six hours of Better Call Saul to catch up for the season premiere, which was the next day, Monday night, for two-hour season premiere. If you're a Breaking Bad guy or gal and you didn't watch or haven't watched Better Call Saul, you should. It is fan-freaking-tastic, especially if you can get halfway through the series. Slow build with lots of character building, but once it starts to intertwine with the old Breaking Bad history, it is so damn good. I watched six hours on Sunday. I could have watched six more. I could have sat there all day, every minute of the day, and watched it. That's how glued I was to catching up on that final season. And then, uh, of course, uh, going back to the voting thing, I have never voted in uh, early voting before. And while I voted for most major general elections, I haven't voted in every county mayor and uh, county commission and all the off-year ballots and all that. I I just haven't. So um, I went in and I did this in a matter of a few seconds. And I'll just tell you who I voted for. I, vo- I voted for Mike Dimitru. Uh, I don't even know how you say his name. For Circuit Court Judge 2. I voted for Boyd Patterson for Criminal Judge Court Di- uh, Division 3. I voted for Weston Womp for County Mayor. And I voted for Tucker McClendon for County Commission District 8. And the reason I voted for Tucker McClendon is because asshole um, uh, Tim Boyd sent out a mailer saying I shouldn't vote for him. So that in turn, made me indeed vote for him. Uh, for county trustee, Bill Hollander was is unopposed. I voted a write-in candidate for Bill Hollander for county trustee. I voted for his son, Matt Hollander, for county trustee. And Weston Womp for county mayor, of course, as you likely already know. Matt Hollander is running for county mayor not county trustee. And then every other one, uh, Chancellor Part 2, Chancellor Part 1, I don't even know what most of these are, Circuit Court Clerk, Criminal Court Clerk, Juvenile Court Clerk, blah, 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 blah. I wrote in my own name. I didn't vote for anybody other than myself the rest of the way through. And it's also the first time I ever got a uh, Republican ballot, which I've never quite understood why we can't all vote, why everything can't be open. Why aren't we being able, if this is a true Democratic, you know, voting situation. Why can't I vote for everybody? Why do I have to choose? The Democratic ballot had like five names on it for five things, mostly unopposed. What I don't get it, I don't get to say in any of this. I've never quite understood that. Call me ignorant, call me stupid. Uh, th- those are probably very likely true. Ignorant for sure, stupid uh, likely as well. That's weird to me. And it doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't seem right. And part of where I'm going to read this. Uh, why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid addresses that at some point if I even get to that. But there you go. Now you know who I'm voting for. I would like it if you would vote for those exact same people, depending on what district that you're in, obviously. All right, so there you go. Wrapped up the week. And actually, no, I went ahead and got this. It's 30 seconds. I've made a note to self to pull Weston's latest... um, his latest spot, and I don't remember why, but since I have it here, I'm going to go ahead and play it. This race isn't a popularity contest. What matters is that many of our neighbors, old and young, are being left behind. Inflation is a thief, and so is a failing school. I have grandparents living on Social Security, and I have children in our public schools. I know our challenges, and for years I've been fighting against inflation and wasteful spending and fighting for vocational education. And I won't let up as county mayor. 
Why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. Coming up next. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At StoneOnAir.com. Why American political discourse becomes more and more divisive, why American politics continues to be more polarized, and why, as he writes in the headline, why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. It's not just a phase. And so it's a lengthy piece, takes about an hour to read, but it's worth the read. He talks about how social media has played a massive role, but not necessarily social media because of what it is inherently, but but rather what it has turned into over the years, how it has prioritized virality and how the desire to market oneself or build one's brand has unfortunately led to a small group of people on both sides of the political spectrum, extreme ends of the political spectrum, essentially dominating the discourse while simultaneously silencing those who want to have a more nuanced discussion about current events and politics. That's the way that the world goes round. You have one day, the next you down. It's a happen or two water. You think you're gonna drown. That's the way that the world goes. It's a half an inch of water, and you think you're gonna drown. That's the way the world goes round. John Prine. So I think I mentioned earlier, I'm embarrassingly was embarrassingly late to John Prine. I'd like to say I was an earshot of one of his shows at. Bonnaroo, but I can't remember and say for sure that I did. And didn't really start listening to his music till after he died, which is a damn shame. And I just heard this song for the first time a couple years ago or so on Richard Wyndham's show on WTC. It's the way the world goes round, and I thought that sounds a lot like that John Prine dude I kept hearing about all my life. Oh, oh, it is. So anyway, um. So I don't even really know what I'm doing here. <laughs> What's new, right? That intro or the rejoin is somebody from um, TikTok. They have a YouTube channel. It is basically just talking head commentary, just like you see on the nightly cable news channel. So I'm not too interested in it from an overall uh, brand to spend any time with, but I'll take it in minute chunks and 45 second clips here and there. And so you heard the same thing I just did. I heard in this, this Atlantic piece, and it quite literally is about 28 pages long. It is, uh, about an hour to read if you want to go slow and really digest a lot of it. And it's, um, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Some of it is so simplistic, you know, it's like, well, of course I already knew that. But the way that it's being worded with, um, with you know, for lack of a better way of saying, big words without being so over the top, you know, needing a thesaurus to get through it, it's so relatable. Like, I mean, a stupid Rolling Stone article will have some of these just wannabe, you know, uh, scholar, grammar, crazy people that use these over-the-top words you can't even understand what the hell they're talking about, and they're writing an article about, you know, Depeche Mode or or Stone Devil Pilots. Come on, man. It's a rock and roll article. Cool it with the words. But this thing is written by a psychologist. And it might have more than one author. It's credited. No, it's just one. Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, Haidt, um, at The Athletic. 
why the past 10 years of American life have been so uniquely stupid. Uh, it's not just a phase. I implore you, just Google that. It'll pull up. It's a free read. If you got some time to digest it. I love psychology so much. I wish I could go back in time and not have ruined my brain with drugs and alcohol and rock, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I wish I would have put my time and energy and effort into the study of the mind of psychiatry and psychology um, as as a just a pastime. I, I find it fascinating to use my amateur armchair psychologist to read a room, to figure out how people interact with one another, to see people's initial reactions to news that they hear. I think it's a fascinating study, and I actually don't think it's even that difficult to understand. Uh, many times, I know lots of people go see professionals to talk out their issues, and and I think that's a great thing, and I, I wish more people would reach out to it, and I've seen now more and more online avenues that people can do that. I think that's great, and I've never wanted to do it because I've been told by many people who do it, you should, Brian, you need it. You're in your head all the time. All you do is let your brain wrestle you into submission almost every single day. You need to do this. And I, and maybe I'm, maybe it's naive and maybe it's ignorance on this as well, but uh, there's also a little arrogance. I don't need to go to a professional to tell me what's wrong with me. I know exactly what's wrong with me. I don't know exactly how to fix it. And maybe I can get some guidance there, but I don't, I don't need a professional psychologist to get in my brain. I know exactly what's the matter with me. I know what's the matter with the people in the room I'm with half the time. And that most people's brains don't work from that function. They just, you know, that's just not normal. That's not an everyday thing that people think about of, of just understanding a room of people and how they interact. I find it fascinating. I know what the problem is. So anyway, all that to be said, this, this was like watching a good movie a good television show I didn't want to turn off. I don't do well with reading because my ADD is terrible and I have trouble reading with my eyes getting tired and then it just turns into mush of words. Be like, once upon a time, Jack went up a hill to fetch a pail and then he went down and then words and then talked and then Jill and then, wait, 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 what did he do? What did you have to went down the hill? Start Once upon a time, what did, yeah, it, just, it just turns into words, 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 words. I was reading this and it was written for a very simplistic mind who also can digest this well because it's not a simplistic piece. So anyway, all that to say, why the past 10 years of American life have been so uniquely stupid. And I kept going into it and reading page by page and marking and highlighting and marking and arrowing. And like before I know, I was like, I just have to read the whole damn thing. <laughs> the whole podcast just has to be reading the whole, the whole article, which Clearly, obviously, I'm not going to do no reason to do that, but I will from the beginning and I'll just read it until I get tired of just discussing it. It starts off with what would it be like to live in uh, Babel in the days after its destruction? Of course, that is the, uh, the story from Genesis. The descendants of Noah built a great city in the land of Shinar where and I remember hearing this story when I was young um, from I'm sure my mom or wherever about the the people that were trying to build everybody spoke the same language and because I guess my question was why how does that, all these countries all over the world have all these different languages and apparently according to scripture um, this nonsense of a story about how they were building a tower of Babel to reach I was told to reach heaven itself it doesn't word that way exactly but that's kind of the way people interpreted it and that pissed off God. So he said, or Jesus or whoever, and said, no, now you all must speak different languages so you can't communicate to build this tower anymore. 
you know, it's about as dumb as a, you know, a snakes used to walk around and because Eve ate an apple, now snakes slither for the rest of life. I mean, it's just it's just a dumb cartoon story. But they use that as a jumping off point of of how this uh, is going to make sense. So I'll just read this exactly what I highlighted here. The story of, ba- of Babel is the best metaphor I've found for what happened to America in the 2010s and for the fractured country we now inhabit. Something went terribly wrong, very suddenly. We are disoriented, unable to speak the same language or recognize the same truth. We are cut off from one another and from the past. It's been clear for quite a while now that Red America and Blue America are becoming like two different countries claiming the same territory, with two different versions of the Constitution, economics, and American history. But Babel is not a story about tribalism. It's a story about the fragmentation of everything. Um, Babel is a metaphor for what some forms of social media have done to nearly all of the groups and institutions most important to the country's future, and as to us as a people. Um, it goes on to talk about the non-zero, a, uh, a an essay or a book written by Robert Wright. Uh, the, the early internet of the 1990s with its chat rooms, message boards, and email exemplified the non-zero thesis, as did the first wave of social media platforms, which launched around 2003. MySpace, Friendster, and Facebook made it easy to connect with friends. We all know that. But then it goes on to talk about how something changed in around 2009 with different kinds of algorithms. In their early incarnations, platforms such as MySpace and Facebook were relatively harmless. They allowed users to create pages, uh, connect with their friends and all that. In this way, early social media can be seen as just another step in the long progression of technological improvements from the postal service to the the telephone to email to texting that help people uh, connect basically. Uh, but gen- but gradually, social media users became more comfortable sharing intimate details of their lives with strangers and corporations. Uh, as he wrote in a 2019 art- uh, Atlantic article with some other person, they became more adapt to putting on performances and managing their personal brand, activities that might impress others, but do not deepen friendships in the way that a private conversation will. Uh, this new game encouraged dishonesty and mob dynamics. Users were guided not just by their true preferences, but by their experiences of reward and punishment and their prediction of how others would react to each new action. One of the engineers of Twitter who worked on the retweet button later revealed that he regretted his contribution because it made Twitter a nastier place. As he watched Twitter, as he watched Twitter mobs forming through the use of the new tool, he thought to himself, quote, we might have just handed a four year old a loaded weapon. All right, so bear with me. I'm bouncing around a little bit here. I loved portions of this. I hope it makes sense. It was this kind of twitchery and explosive spread of anger that James Madison had tried to protect us from as he was drafting the United States Constitution. The framers of the Constitution were excellent social psychologists. They knew that democracy had an Achilles heel because it depended on the collective judgment of the people, and democratic communities are subject to the turbulency and weakness of unruly passions the key to designing a sustainable republic therefore was to build in mechanisms to slow things down to cool passions and to require compromise but that essay continues on a less quoted yet equally important insight about democracy's vulnerability to triviality madison notes that people are so prone to factionalism 
factionalism that, quote, where no substantial occasion presents itself, the most the most frivolous and fanciful distinctions have been sufficient to kindle their unfriendly passions and excite their most violent conflicts. A lot of wording there, but it is so incredibly real and true and identifiable, from, identifiable to me. If there's not something of substance. If our brains are not kept occupied to something that we are used to, something that is meaningful, something that matters, if you give us too much rope, we will, as it says, the most frivolous and fanciful distinctions have been sufficient to kindle their unfriendly passions and excite their most violent conflicts. Meaning we're at our absolute worst when you give us all the rope in the world to do whatever we want and we're bored. Basically, what are those sayings? The devil's play is with the kid, you know, a bored kid. I'm, I'm making, I don't know what it is, but you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, it's, it's just, it's just, just a brilliant piece I don't have a hell of a lot more here, I mean, that I should get to. I'm afraid I'm just going to start boring you. Uh, jump ahead to, I think we can date the fall of the tower, speaking of the proverbial Babel Tower, to the years between 2011 and 2015, a year mar that marked by the Great Awakening on the left and the ascendancy of Don Trump on the right. Trump did not destroy the tower. He merely exploited its fall. He was the first politician to master the new dynamics of the post-Babel era in which outrage is a key to virality, virality. Uh, stage performance crushes competence, Twitter can overpower all the newspapers in the country, and stories cannot be shared or at least trusted across more than a few adjacent fragments so truth cannot achieve widespread adherence. The, the many analysts, including me, who were who had argued that Trump could not win the general election, were relying on a pre-Babel institution, which said that scandals such as the Access Hollywood tape are fatal to a presidential campaign. But after Babel, nothing really means anything anymore, at least not in a way that is durable on which people widely agree. What changed in the 2010s? Let's revisit Twitter's engineer's metaphor of handing a loaded gun to a four-year-old. A mean tweet doesn't kill anyone. It is an attempt to shame or punish someone publicly while broadcasting's one on virtue, brilliance, or tribal loyalties. It's more of a dart than a bullet, causing pain but no fatalities. Even so, from 09 to 12, Facebook and Twitter passed out roughly 1 billion dart guns globally. We've been shooting one another ever since. Ah, there's so much more here. I'll wrap it up on this. It's going to get much worse. In a 2018 interview, Steve Bannon, former advisor to Don Trump, said that the way to deal with the media is to, quote, flood the zone with shit. He was describing the fire hose of falsehood tactic pioneered by Russian disinformation programs to keep Americans confused, disoriented, and angry. Back then, in 2018 there was an upper limit to the amount of shit available because all of it had to be created by a person other than some low-quality stuff produced by bots. Now, however, artificial intelligence is close to enabling the limitless spread of highly believable disinformation. The AI program GPT-3 is already so good that you can give it a topic and a tone, and it will spit out as many essays as you'd like, typically with perfect grammar and a surprisingly level of high level of coherence. In a year or two, when the program is upgraded to GPT-4, it will become far more capable. And uh, 
that's as much as I'm going to do as I'm already uh, almost 16 minutes in. I was just fascinated by this piece. And my God, it is so nice to get away from this evil, disgusting nonsense that is social media. Now, I'm still there and I still dabble and I still self-promote and I still, you know, get mad and throw out a dumb tweet every now and again that virtually no one's going to see. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm part of the problem for sure. And I, mostly all of us are. But once you can liberate yourself from the mess, it is just that. Liberating. And I am finally as close to... Satisfied isn't the right word because I'm not satisfied. But I'm as close to care carefree as I could be when it comes to just the noise, the pots and pans smashing together, the the, the constant same bad actors and characters over and over again, just blah blah screaming at each other, the memes. I'm just I'm so far removed from it. It is a fantastic place to be, and I highly suggest. Uh, Spreading that word Anybody you know If you see your loved ones And your friends Continuing this Bad behavior online Just try your best To talk them out of it Because it, it really is Going to put you In a better place And put them In a better place And then uh, We do that enough It's going to put us all Into a better place But hey That's just the way The world goes around Love you to death We'll do it again next week See you later Bye Bye <laughs>